Welcome back to the Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 344. Strength was with the church, but they were more than just a group of wandering justices. And what leads you to this belief, Will said. From his expression, I could see I was losing Willem's support rather than gaining it. A piece of ancient pottery, I thought. A story I heard from an old man in Tarbine. I know it because of something the Chandrian let slip after they killed everyone I ever knew. I sighed and shook my head, knowing how crazy I would sound if I told the truth. That was why I scoured the archives. I needed some tangible evidence to support my theory, something that wouldn't make me a laughingstock. I found copies of the court documents from the time the emir were denounced, I said. Do you know how many emir they put on trial in Tarbine? Will shrugged. I held up a single finger. One. One emir in all of Tarbine. And the clerk writing the transcript of the trial made it clear the man they put on trial was a simpleton who didn't understand what was going on. I still saw doubt on Willem's face. Just think on it, I pleaded. The scraps I found suggest there were at least 3,000 emir in the empire before they were disbanded. 3,000 highly trained, heavily armed, wealthy men and women absolutely devoted to the greater good. Then one day the church denounces them, disbands their entire order, and confiscates their property? I snapped my fingers. And 3,000 deadly, justice-obsessed fanatics just disappear? They roll over and decide to let someone else take care of the greater good for a while? No protest? No resistance? Nothing? I gave him a hard look and shook my head firmly. No. That goes against human nature. Besides, I haven't found one record of a member of the emir being brought before the church's justice. Not... One, is it so outrageous to think they might have decided to go underground, to continue their work in a more secret way? And if that's reasonable, I continued before he could interrupt, doesn't it also make sense that they might try to preserve their secrecy by carefully pruning histories over the last 300 years? There was a long pause. Willem didn't dismiss it out of hand. An interesting theory, he said slowly. But it leads me to one last question. He eyed me seriously. Have you been drinking? I slumped in my chair. No. That's the end of the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. This has the ring to me. Like, when I, as a socialist, try to explain how the wealthy and powerful have captured and control every aspect of our society, and there's a huge invisible mechanism that is not like purposeful but definitely does like influence every aspect of our lives and like how we are all inundated with propaganda every day that makes us think that the society we live in is not only normal but the only possible way things could be even when there's lots of evidence to the contrary i think a lot of people think that i sound crazy and it makes me feel crazy that people think i'm crazy because it seems so obvious to me uh, and I think that's kind of what Quoth feels here. It's like, it's not it's not being paranoid if they really are out to get you. And I think that Quoth has made a pretty compelling case here that the Emir did go into hiding. Like, the lack of evidence is evidence in and of itself. And the fact that Willem just, like, can't see that, leaving aside the possibility that he's in on it, which is, like, the sort of thing a paranoid person would think, he's just been... Willem is so brainwashed by the ideology of the time and place he lives in that he can't 
except that everything he's been taught his entire life about the Emir might be wrong. So I was less into the idea that Willem is a snitch yesterday, but the fact that he is so dismissive of Quoth on this page actually makes me think that he might know a little more than he is letting on because he does present a compelling argument and Willem is his friend. I know Willem is, you know, stoic and direct, but it doesn't speak well of Willem that he doesn't at least sort of go, huh, that is a good point. On the next page, he brings it to Simmon and Simmon, Simmon seems a little more open to it. And the fact that we have this, this in, in diegetic dialogue, and we don't have the upcoming sequence with Simon Dijek dialogue suggests that the things Willem says and the way he says them are more important than the things Simon says and the way he says them. This set, just, you know, you, you sort of opened the floodgates on real world parallels, Jeremy. And this passage reminds me uh, in a very chilling way of uh, QAnon and the people who stormed the Capitol recently. Uh, there are a lot of people currently in North America, not just in America, because they're here in Canada as well, who are, uh, not to put too fine a point on it, uh, completely brainwashed um, through misinformation that has been seeping into them in all kinds of insidious ways. And not just through insidious means, but their government, their elected government, their representatives have been giving them this misinformation as well for uh, many years now. And they truly and genuinely believe uh, and with good reason, because people they trust and have been trained to trust since birth have been telling them over and over that the American election was not legitimate uh, and that they should. Uh, it is their duty as people who love their country to uh, bear arms against this illegitimate government. So from their perspective, they're absolutely correct. And I'm a little bit nervous at the idea that now that there is a new president, a new political party in power, there is now no consideration, at least in, in mainstream thought that I've been exposed to, that these people are still a concern, they're not going to disappear. They're not going to just go, well, our party lost the election. I guess it's time to go home. They believe with every fiber of their being that there is an illegitimate government bent on destroying their way of life in power. They're just going to, you know, much like the Emir in this passage, they're not going anywhere. The question being, in this case, on this page, where are they? Well, the Emir are a different... Well, I mean, actually, I was going to say the Emir are a different uh, sort because they are wealthy and powerful. But it's also been pointed out that the kinds of people who can afford to buy lots and lots of guns, which are not cheap, uh, and travel across the country in the middle of a pandemic to uh, storm the capital, uh, requires a non-trivial amount of wealth, and that a lot of these people are uh, business owners and executives. So do you think the Amir would also be wealthy, like all of them, all of them would be wealthy or just some of them would be wealthy? I mean, that's what Quoth believes, right? He says 3,000 highly trained, heavily armed, wealthy men and women. So, and that also does kind of tie the Amir back in with the real life uh, Knights Templar, who were, by the time that they were destroyed by the Pope and uh, the King of France, like they were the wealthiest people in Europe. Like they had more money than than entire nations because they were a, a big banking conglomerate essentially so where in the book is quoth getting that the emir are wealthy i i think he's getting it from like the document like piecing together the evidence that he has like and like the stories that everyone knows like the emir were supposed to be wealthy and powerful so if they were wealthy and powerful 
like they would have had to be wealthy and powerful to to be the organization that they were and do the things they did. So if that's true, if they existed at all, then they must have been wealthy and powerful. And if they were wealthy and powerful, they couldn't just have been disbanded like so easily. Okay. I see. I see the the connections. I think it's also a question of community. I think about this a lot, especially when talking about corruption, that a lot of these things that two people who are not really involved are corruption. And there is corruption. A lot of it is just a fact that like a lot of the people doing these things are in the same community. And it's the same in arts, in sciences, in politics. People just like do favors for their friends. You know, they they know people like nepotism issues as well. You know, they'll hire uh, a friend's kid or they'll hire a buddy because they know them. It's who they talk to. They run in the same circles. They know each other. And when you get to the upper echelons of power, these little decisions that in any other community would just be like supporting the people in your community have dire ramifications and have the other effect of keeping uh, power and influence and wealth within the same circle. Uh, So to bring it back to the book, Jordana, it's likely that they were wealthy, influential, and powerful because the types of people who you would want to induct into your secret order are the types of people that you would run with, the types of people who had the same... Uh, political outlook as you in this case um, the complete dedication to the greater good at any cost and it's also like possibly the case that maybe they didn't start out wealthy and powerful because like the Templar did not they were uh, ostensibly the Templar started out as like poor warrior monks right who weren't supposed to have material possessions and individual Templar didn't have material possessions because they were warrior monks but the organization collected tithes and donations from people who wanted to do their religious duty and help fight crusades. So they would like donate huge amounts of money to the organization of the Templar. And so wait, wait, wait. people would pay the Templar so that they could be one. No, no, no. They would say like okay. that. I want you to go to the Holy land and defend Christendom. And I'm, okay. and you need ships and weapons and armor and food and all that to do that. And I, so I will donate, you know, a thousand ducats or whatever to the cause of the Templar. Okay, so so them giving money to the Templar equals them thinking that they did their religious duty. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Um, yes, I suspect it's also more practical than that in a lot of ways. I suspect it's also like, oh, there's a heavily armed and very powerful organization uh, close to me, I don't want to get on their bad side, so I'm going to essentially pay them protection. Yeah, I'll pay you money I to go when you to get go down elsewhere. to it. That and that is how the crusade started. The, there was a guy in France who's like, all the French aristocrats are fighting and killing each other, and it's causing a lot of problems for us. What if we could just make them all go and fight and kill people somewhere else? I suspect that uh, the emir in this book are descended from a supernatural. Uh, organization or a supernatural or have a supernatural origin in some way or other possibly related to telu or possibly related to the chandrian so um while they may you know have their background in the mendicant judges and things like that i think in uh in this world that's a, a red herring i think we're meant to like we as readers are meant to go oh they're like the templar and the templar originated as you know warrior monks uh, and so we're supposed to sort of nod around and be like, that's a reasonable assumption. But I, I suspect in this book, it's going to come out. It's going to come out that they're like, much like the Chandrian, they have supernatural origins with the mm. Fae or something like that. 
with Aleph, who is still it's unclear what Aleph is mm. beyond the the fact that like a lot of people agree that Aleph existed. Well, there was also like a Fey like warrior order, right? That that uh, protects the Cathaya. Like the guys, the, the protect, they don't protect the Cathaya. They keep it from getting out. I thought they kept people from getting to the Cathaya so that they would not talk to the Cathaya and well, like ruin. Shit. Like the information of that the Cathaya has, they don't let people in or out. Yes, I I believe their explicit instructions are to kill anyone who has come into contact with the Cathaya. That is the the order. And you know what? Maybe the Emir are descended from the Sitha because that's the greater good, right? We have to commit these atrocities because anything touched by the Cathaya uh, will will cause uh, even worse harm. So it's the greater good if we are slaughtering all these people because if we didn't, something worse would happen. Like maybe the Emir are it's the same attitude. Maybe the Emir are like a mortal branch of the. Of the Sitha, like say someone a thousand years ago went and talked to the Cathaya and like, you know, came back into the real world and started spreading that around, like almost like a disease. Then maybe the Emir were created to like wipe them out and like stop the taint of the Cathaya's influence in our world. Yeah, that's reasonable, especially if you like can't, if you are a fey creature and you can't go around telling people the actual story. If you find people who have a an obsession with like the notion of good, doing things for the greater good, and you get them on side, and then you can sort of send them like an arrow mm. uh, to do your bidding. Much to think on. Much to think on, indeed. And of course, Felurian said that there were never any human emir, but she might have a different understanding of what the emir are than than the human types do. But of course, they probably are like. There probably was a Fey order of Amir who eventually bled over. Felurian, we know, are not is not that interested in human comings and goings. But that is an interesting piece of evidence to support the theory that I just made up. That the Amir may be... Well, see, their- Jeremy, crack pottery is very rewarding. Mm. Once you start down the dark path. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, well, we've gone... Actually, it's not that long today. It's a reasonable amount. Uh, we could read a short letter. Let's do it. Mailbag! This is from RJ writing as Natalia Lackless again, uh, as a PS to my earlier letter. Jordana remarked how odd it is that Denna capitalized a lot of the nouns in her letter to Quoth. It's true that Old English and U.S. writers would capitalize nouns in letters, but even in modern German, they capitalize every noun. That knowledge helped me when I was in Germany, figuring out what was a person, place, or thing. There you go. And I wonder if writers in English... We're doing that because English has Germanic roots. Well, I think it, I, it's likely. Yeah, you know, I don't want to get into a, a speculative conversation about this. I think that's likely, but what do I know? What do any of us know? Head empty. See, none of us are linguists. Head empty. No thoughts. Can't lose. <laughs> uh, we'll see you tomorrow for another page of uh, where. where?